This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, November 9th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. A screen-free future without smartphones just took a big step. We'll explain in our next segment on this Technology Thursday, but first... Look at these low, low prices on famous brand name electronics. Don't be a sap, Dad. These are just crappy knockoffs. I know a genuine Panaphonics when I see it. And look, there's Magnetbox and Sorny. Yeah, Generation Z ditching pricey brands for budget-friendly dupes or knockoffs, driven by the TikTok dupes trend from fake Louis Vuitton to off-brand Oreos. The dupe wave is reshaping consumer choices while challenging brand loyalty. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide, based in New York. Jan, thank you for joining us today. When I was growing up, up, there was always one household that had Hydrox instead of Oreos. Are you telling me, Jan, they were way ahead of the curve? Hey, they were really way ahead of the curve if that was the case. But yeah, we've seen fakes around forever, and we've seen interest go up and down, and truthfully, fakes get more important during times of inflation or times where money is tighter than it has been in the past. And then they become less important when the economy is doing better. But this time seems different. This time is really seems to be cultural, where young people are saying, yeah, I kind of like having a fake. It's fun, and I got it at a really great price, and I can afford a brand I couldn't afford if I bought the real brand. And they're online looking at them all the time and determining which ones are better fakes and which ones are not as good and what the pricing differential looks like. And they'll also buy, of course, used because they never in the old days you didn't have the opportunity to buy much in the way used you certainly didn't online so you know you couldn't buy that previously loved gucci bag at a great price so now they're doing that and they don't see that as much different than buying a fake they also don't care that the fakes are basically illegal and this is the first generation that's been willing to admit yeah i know it's fake and i bought it anyway and i don't really care. So it's, it's a change than what we've seen in the past. Where does uh, the challenge really come in here? Because I think everyone has gone to the grocery store at one time or another and purchased the store brand, you know, cinnamon or tarragon or cloves as opposed to a, a name brand price or name brand uh, spice at the grocery store. But we're now we're talking about uh, not only just high end clothing and merchandise, but even vacations. Yeah, even vacations. If Paris is too expensive, go someplace else that sort of looks like that. Let's not include Paris and Disney World. But, yeah, people are, are actually saying, I'm going on a, 
an ersatz version of the vacation that somebody went on that cost a lot more money. So that's kind of the extreme case. And you're sort of, when you look at the ones where you say, gee, I'm buying the store brand. Well, nobody thinks those are real and nobody thinks that they're getting anything other than a bargain by buying the cheaper store brand. And there's, there's just something that's sort of like the branded product, but the real fakes, you know, as much as they can possibly do, they're making them look just like the real product so that you actually don't get the opportunity to say it's not the real thing if you're the, the onlooker. And we haven't seen so much of this before as we're seeing now. And another reason is the fakes have gotten so much better that they really are hard to tell from the real thing. So in other words, uh, if you do uh, shell out a reasonable amount of money for a Ronex watch, uh, you can pretty much guarantee it's it's built to last. Yeah, here's the bad news. It won't say Ronex. It really will say Rolex right on it. <laughs> and you'll have a darn hard time telling it's not a Rolex. And so, yes, that, that's what we're really seeing. You buy the product, it looks so much like a Louis Vuitton bag, or it looks so much like a Birkin bag that the onlooker who doesn't, who's not a cognoscente, actually thinks you've got a Birkin bag. And you feel like you do in some respects, but you feel like you got it at, uh, you know, 90% off. Jan Rogers Niffin, CEO, J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A startup founded by a former ex-Apple executive has unveiled its new AI pin, screenless, wearable AI assistance with projectors and cameras. Joining us now to discuss this is Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today, founder, editor-in-chief of Techish.com, based in San Francisco. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. It's been 16 years since the iPhone was rolled out, and now it's hard to find a technology that might have been more revolutionary than putting a computer and the access to talk to anybody and learn anything in your pocket. So if you're coming up with an AI assistant, uh, that's a pretty steep hill to climb. It is. And there is chatter and gossip out there that this could be the next iPhone. You know, we've been waiting. What's that big, bold bet on the device that comes after the smartphone? And most of us are pretty excited about something that does not have a screen, per se, believe it or not. So this is human's AI PIN, H-U-M-A-N-E, AI PIN, this is no less than liberating us from the world of smartphone addiction with haha, more technology uh, to a husband and wife team uh, from Apple, former Apple employees, have basically said that, look, this can create an experience that lets the computer take a back seat to new technology that can fit more seamlessly in our lives. It can broadcast, uh, or, or not broadcast really, but cast images right into the palm of our hand. It's not always on. It's not always listening. Um, it basically becomes sort of an extension of your body. It clips onto your clothing just a little bit larger than a smartwatch face and does everything that our smartphones do without the addictive screens. Now, how do I mean, we talk about everything our smartphone does without the addictive screens? I mean, what, what is the appeal of smartphones without the ability to just endlessly scroll social, social media? <laughs> you know, what's funny is the founders are saying, hey, there's no apps. 
that that you deal with on this because at some point we need to get past social media. We need to get our lives back. We need to be less passive in our use with the with technology and more active. So this technology, it's like something you could imagine seeing on Star Trek. It's um, an artificially intelligent device. So you can control it by speaking out loud, tapping a touchpad, projecting a layer, a laser display onto the palm of your hand. And then the device's virtual assistant can send a text message, play a song, snap a photo, make a call, or translate a real-time conversation into another language. So what are we going to do without social media? We're going to get our lives back, and it's going to be stunning. And I really, really think that this could potentially be the next iPhone. It's going to cost $700, requires a two-year subscription through T-Mobile, um, and pre, they go for pre-sale on the 16th of this month and launch early in the year. This truly will become what we all talk about. So in the future, if this AI assistant uh, does achieve its potential, uh, we could potentially send a uh, projectable message to a friend of ours. We could say, uh, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. But (laughs) freed from social media, we'll kill time by reading a magazine. I think we're going to kill time by reconnecting with our own brains. That is something that, you know, we've, we've gotten away from thinking, um, being on the planet, living our lives, doing something without constant noise. And for as amazing and life-changing as it's been, it's also been incredibly um, tough for a lot of us, that, that addiction, that, you know, never spending a moment alone with your own brain. I think we're going to see uh, a real burst beyond the plateau of that kind of getting sucked in and tuned out I think we're gonna we're going to to uh, really go a new place um, with our technology and and with ourselves. I'm actually really excited about this. Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist, USA Today, based in San Francisco. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, we'll examine why Black Friday shopping just isn't what it used to be. It's business hour continues. Black Friday has dwindled from its former glory. Now it's just a mere shell of the bustling retail extravaganza it once was. Joining us to explain is Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors, formerly vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us in Vero Beach, Florida. Jerry, thank you for joining us today. And and back when you were at Target, back when you were at Toys R Us, how big of a deal was the day after Thanksgiving on the retail calendar? Well, for sure, it's vastly the largest shopping day of the year, probably twice as large as the next next largest day. And it kept growing and growing and growing and growing. <laughs> and, and you'll hear it. We have commercials running on, uh, on our air right now, and, and you'll hear it even during the summer. We're offering Black Friday savings on this, that, and the other thing. And these are commercials airing in July, or they're airing in October or November. So it seems like Black Friday has... You talk about Christmas creep. I mean, Black Friday creep has gone across the entire calendar. Well, it's become a tagline instead of a specific day. So it's been way overexposed. And as you point out, moved forward by a lot. What really killed Black Friday, though, was the Internet. No surprise. Because what's the point in getting up early, getting, you know, getting dressed, driving to the shopping mall or to, to, to a store to wait in line and fight for goods when almost all the same deals were, were available 
online at exactly the same moment. That's what most retailers started to do. And some even started having them available at midnight on uh, on uh, the day before, you know, the, day, the evening between Thanksgiving Eve and Thanksgiving itself. So then you go, well, what's the point the next day to go out and go shopping when you already could buy anything you wanted on the Internet? Or if you wait until Cyber Monday, it might even be a better deal. We're talking to Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisories in Vero Beach, Florida, about the uh, dwindling relevance of Black Friday. And Jerry, uh, in a previous radio life, I did uh, talk shows, and uh, I would work on Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving. And this was maybe uh, 13, 14, 15 years ago. And there's also a period of time when there were a lot of stampedes at stores, and there seemed to have been some public relations backlash against some retailers for uh, opening up late on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving or encouraging people to stay in line all night and then all run into the store at the same time when they opened at four or five in the morning. Did that play into the role to kind of dial back on Black Friday itself? I really don't think that it did. I mean, the the, uh, people who came on Black Friday or the night before wanted to be there and they were generally in a good mood and having a great time. There are always incidents, as you would expect, when you have that many people at one time. But we put in place more and more safety procedures, and it wasn't really a big deal. And, uh, you know, people who said, well, wait, you're ruining Thanksgiving. It's like, well, only if people want to go out, did they have to go out? No, it was making them. And so really what happened was the Internet and the fact you just didn't have to deal with any of that anymore. And by the way, we're talking like Black Friday's dead. It's still going to be the biggest shopping day of the year in physical stores. The second business will probably be the uh, Saturday before Christmas what we call uh, Super Saturday. So it's not like it's totally dead. It's just not multiples of the second biggest day as it was in the past. Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors, formerly vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us in Vero Beach, Florida. Thank you for joining us today. And, of course, uh, be sure you're listening to WBBM on the day after Thanksgiving, that Friday. Uh, our traffic reports will have uh, the the mall parking lot uh, reports for all the big ones, the outlet stores. And so keep it right here. We got you covered on Black Friday. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden's in Illinois today visiting the Stellantis plant in Belvedere and attending a campaign fundraiser in Chicago. A deal is reported for a temporary humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. It's Technology Thursday on the Noon Business Hour. We'll learn how augmented reality is helping to improve surgery. Plus, frequent flyers on United Airlines are about to see some changes to the perks 
metrics that they'll be offered. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 96 points. NASDAQ down 30. S&P 500 down 12. 53 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies, going up to 58. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. President Biden in Illinois today. He visited the Belvedere Assembly plant to celebrate its planned reopening as part of a new labor contract with Stellantis and the UAW. The company is planning to invest $5 billion to turn the plant into a new parts distribution center that will include the assembly plant and a new battery facility for manufacturing electric vehicles. He'll also attend a fundraiser in Chicago today. International mediators have been working on a possible deal that would see a temporary humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. The deal, according to two Egyptian officials, would see a possible three-day ceasefire in exchange for the release of around a dozen Israeli hostages. The deal, which is being brokered by Egypt, Qatar and the US, would also allow a small amount of fuel to enter the territory for the first time since Israel's siege on Gaza began. Israel has said around 240 hostages are currently held in Gaza. Their plight has galvanized Israeli support for the conflict, despite growing international concern for Palestinian civilians. Gaza's 2.3 million population remains stuck under an Israeli military siege, which has so far killed thousands of civilians in Gaza. I'm Karen Shamas. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are lower. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial based in Chicago. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Before we talk about some interesting uh, uh, third quarter reports, especially after the closing bell yesterday, uh, what's explaining the market activity today? They were treading water and then a little bit of a sell-off is underway. It is, Rob. You know, the S&P 500 is slightly off, but let's remember, that's an eight-day win streak we've seen for the benchmark index on the S&P 500 as we wrap up earnings season. So November has really turned investor sentiment around. We've seen substantial jump in contrast to September and October, but I think this is all being led, and you know I preached this back to my Chicago Board of Trade pit days where I traded 10-year futures and 30-year bonds. It's all about the bond leadership. So we've finally seen the 10-year relent. It was above 5%. Now it's close to 4.5%. So that is providing some optimism for the market to rally in the year end. And then will there be any spillover effect to uh, interest rates as far as the prime lending rate is concerned? You know, I think we're really in a predicament. We're trying to better understand what the Fed policy is going to do. For the last couple of months, we believe, because the Fed was trying to make us believe that they were going to raise interest rates again. At the last Fed meeting last week, Fed Chairman Paul really kind of revealed the fact that they're going to stay on hold or on pause, if you will, Rob, and that's going to allow interest rates to stay higher for longer, but they're not going to raise rates just anymore. And if anything, what we're pricing in for next year in 2024 is, is them to actually reduce or cut interest rates. So I think they're going to be really careful. They're forecasting a soft landing for the economy. The consumer is still strong. So the Fed is actually doing a pretty good job. I never want to compliment the Federal Reserve too much, but nonetheless, they're doing a good job with the current data they have. And then uh, let's talk about Disney. The Disney, their third quarter report was yesterday. And uh, for the last uh, three months or so, everything about Disney was a five-alarm fire. Uh, big losses at Disney+. Plus. They were thinking about selling ESPN. They were thinking about selling ABC. But uh, Wall Street liked what they saw and heard yesterday. 
Yes, we were seeing about a 7 to 8% move after that earnings report, and it was mixed. It had lower revenue, but the, the fourth quarter you know, earnings forecast is significant. Cash flows are back again, and this is all due to Bob Iger, who, as you know, returned as the interim CEO last November. So I think when you look at Disney, I own the stock higher, but nonetheless, I stayed in here. I believe in Bob Iger turned around. They're actually considering bringing back the dividend, which they cut during the height of COVID back in 2020, but what's really fascinating to see if they will have any ability to move forward with shareholder attention above the 50-day moving average. And and did they give any indication yesterday that they could take the make the turn at least as far as their streaming service is concerned? You know, Disney Plus, which opened uh, uh, to big subscriber numbers five years ago or four years ago, to making the turn from growth to profitability from on the streaming side of things. They managed to trim their losses, uh, but could they make that turn? Well, I think they are making the turn, and that's part of the conversation they had in the conference call was about the cut, the continued cost cuts, about $2 billion, and that is going to coincide with, I think, the market moving higher. And I think it has the ability to go back up to $100 a share. It's right around 91 right now, and it seems like it's getting momentum after absolutely being taken out to the woodshed all year, Rob. And how are you know, how is Wall Street going to evaluate Disney? Is it going to be evaluated on the success or failure of streaming? Is it going to be on theme park traffic? Is it going to be the ability to, to, to develop a big, crowd-pleasing hit uh, on the level of of a Frozen 2 that would bring in a billion dollars in worldwide box office? Well, it's like the way I like to answer my standardized test at Maine South High School. All of the above, Rob. I think all investors are really taking that as inputs, but nonetheless, they're looking at the dividend coming back at 88, 88 cents and also the forecast of significant cash flows. That's what Wall Street all cares about. What kind of cash will this produce? Because it produced so much cash for so long and it kind of pressed pause during COVID. So there is positive momentum and there's optimism with Bob Iger at the wheel. He is the pride of D. Road and Talcott, Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, it's Technology Thursday, and we'll examine how augmented reality is improving surgery. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Mayo Clinic is transforming surgeries with augmented reality, guiding surgeons in knee replacements, scoliosis, and brain tumor removals. Many analysts are calling this game-changing technology. Joining us with the details, is Matt Wren, founder and tech expert VRAR in Chicago. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Is this as big of a technological evolution for surgeons as microsurgery devices and and, and things that would allow you to uh, allow a surgeon to operate on things that are very tiny compared to uh, years 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 past? Thanks for having me back, Rob. Um, it's, a, it's huge. This is very important. I mean, when you think about how important surgery is nowadays, and think, like, think about things like digital imaging, like the x-rays, the MRIs, the CAT scans, the really fine details of the digital information that you need to know about and see, and if you can have that literally in front of your eyes, overlaying the patient as you're doing surgery, instead of having to say, you know, look at the surgeon, look, you know, look down at the surgery, and then look up at a screen and kind of look away, having that information be able to be projected directly in front of you as you're doing a surgery, that's a huge advantage. That can, you know, re- reduce errors. That can reduce the amount of time it takes to get through things, you know, while somebody's potentially bleeding. There's all sorts of opportunities for improvement there. What kinds of information would be available to the surgeon in an augmented reality display? I mean, it can be anything. You can actually type live information in, which is important. So if you if you have to monitor things like temperature or blood flow, you can have that there in real time as you need it. 
Uh, I know with the knee surgeries from the Mayo Clinic, one of the big things they were talking about was the angle that you have to actually make a cut into the bone. So being able to actually see the exact angle you need to cut in, that's a possibility there. Um, You can also, you know, sometimes this information too, it's very specific. What you have to do is very specific to each individual patient. So you can have that particular patient, all of the specific details right there. One fascinating application, Matt, is uh, uh, brain mapping, and that is uh, the, 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 the augmented reality display for the surgeon uh, would have a precise map of the patient's brain while they are performing brain, sur- uh, uh, brain tumor surgery. Correct. And one of the things, you know, particularly with brain surgery, with some of the stuff they're doing there now with things like dyes, um, you know, what you can understand, the augmented reality, what it can do, in addition to being able to project you know, data on as an overlay, the device can also actually see real time, real live what you're looking at. And it can, you know, so if they're using things like markers, um, dyes that potentially could be picked up by the cameras and the augmented reality display to determine where to place, again, a cut or where you know, a tumor might exist or where the ends of it are, all of that information can be displayed in real time. And it's, it, again, it just reduces errors. It reduces the amount of time it takes. And all of that leads, hopefully, to better patient outcomes. We're talking to Matt Wren, founder and tech expert at VRAR in Chicago, about augmented reality and surgery. Now, this has been in place in the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota in different disciplines for about two years now. And what are some of their takeaways? I mean, from what I'm seeing, you know, the big concern, one of the biggest things you have to actually measure, this is new technology. So you have to measure and you have to be very aware of exactly how accurate it is. You know, when you're talking about surgery, especially brain surgery, you're talking about you need to be have accuracy less than a millimeter. Um, so they're measuring to see how accurate it is and make sure that that accuracy will make it possible to use this for other outcomes. And then ultimately, I think the biggest thing that they are actually measuring is, again, the benefits to the patients and the you know, cost reductions. So is it, is it making it more effective? Is it making it more safe? Is it making it more, you know, less expensive? All of those things, reducing the amount of time it takes, all of those factors are likely what they're measuring to determine how successful this can be and where they can apply it in the future to make it more successful. Matt Wren, founder and tech expert, VRAR in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, Chicago's hometown airline is tweaking its frequent flyer program. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Travel perks face restrictions as airlines tighten accessibility to elite status amid increasing requirements. United Airlines taking a distinctive approach, prioritizing credit card spending for enhanced Rewards. Joining us to explain is Joe Schriederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University in Chicago. Joe, thank you for joining us today. And there have been numerous stories about the airline industry, the big carriers, uh, changing their rewards systems in one, in some form or fashion. Uh, Delta actually had to dial back on some of their plans uh, uh, after outcry from passengers. What is United doing and how does that make it different? You know, it's a fascinating world. The people watch these details, like they study them uh, you know, to remarkable degrees. So every little change gets scrutinized. People are really hungry for those early boardings, for upgrades, for lounge status. And airlines are finding that, you know, there's almost too much demand for those upgrades if they don't have enough uh, seats to, uh, you know, for that. So they've been dialing back. United here is taking a step. They're allowing people on credit card spending to get something called qualifying points, which can push them up to that elite status. So uh, they're loosening up a bit, and that's got some uh, frequent flyers pretty happy. 
Now, does this mean uh, if you have a another airline credit card or a uh, one of those kind of just generic miles credit cards that could be applied anywhere, uh, if you live in the Chicago area and you're close to O'Hare or that's your that's your airport, should you consider getting the United card because those miles will now uh, have carry a little more heft uh, compared to some other carriers? You know, they have sweetened the pot, and it is uh, more compelling now than it was, you know, this last year. And they're also lifting what they call the cap. So previously, you could get some credit for the lead status with your co-branded credit card, uh, but they're lifting that. So I think what they're trying to do is put less emphasis on just how much you spend on flying and how loyal you are to United with both credit card and flying combined. And it's uh, unfortunately a zero-sum game. There's only so many upgrade seats to give away. So every time you change the rules, somebody's happy and somebody uh, feels left out. Is this uh, is this trend in in changing or altering uh, frequent flyer programs and how people are upgraded and how they get different perks? Is this a reflection of the fact that just there are fewer road warriors these days? Uh, you know, leisure travel has come back, but business travel has not returned to pre pandemic levels and probably thanks to video calls never will that that's right and not only is um have we seen um shift our pleasure travel pleasure traveler increasingly paying for those perks so as they look at the post-pandemic air landscape they really want that elbow room they want that early boarding and so they're trying to change these programs uh, oriented more toward that the everyday person that may take six or eight trips a year rather than road wire and uh it's a little, uh, they're in a really tough spot here because we see that people bargain shop when they don't fly for business. So they don't want to give away the store with lots of uh, freebies unless people spend a lot. But uh, the formula is really, uh, really tough to get right. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 